Magic.me is the world's greatest school for magic, meditation, and mysticism. Are you confused? Are you lost? Does the world feel like it's getting more insane and crazier every day? That's probably because it is. It's getting absolutely, completely out of control. In times like this, when everything's falling apart, there's one thing that never does, and that is magic, meaning the eternal laws of how reality works and how to orient yourself towards those eternal laws. This stuff has worked for a hundred years. It has worked for a thousand years. It has worked for all of human history, and mostly it has worked when people need it, and people definitely need it right now. So might I suggest, check out magic.me. We have everything there for you to start learning, to start putting magic into practice, and get it working for you to get yourself into the dimension that works best for you right now. That's what we all need. Okay, magic.me, M-A-G-I-C-K dot M-E. And of course, we have a new introductory guided meditation out that is free if you just want to taste because it's all well and good to hear me talking about it week after week on the podcast, but why not actually experience it for yourself to get a taste so you know what we're really talking about here. You can get that at start.magic.me, start.magic.me. All right, we have a special episode today. I am here with Danny, the show producer. We went to West Memphis for Damien Eccles' DNA evidence hearing. I'm guessing that most of the people who listen to this show know who Damien Eccles is. For those who don't, Damien Eccles is a writer, he's an author and teacher of magic. He is, uh, he's written several books about magic and uh is a is a very sweet guy we were both on duncan trussell's midnight gospel show together so you probably saw him there he was the the fish fish man i was the bird um damien i have been aware of for a long time actually um include back to before he got off out of prison so for those who don't know the story he was a essentially like a like a goth teenager in west memphis in the deep south in the early 90s there was a um uh, there was a, a a killing of three three young boys that they could not find the culprit of at the time and damien and his friends because they were kind of the local outcasts the lo- local goth mis- misfits uh, or just misfits in general were blamed for the crime. They were kind of put on a trial where all kinds of corners were cut and, uh, and, and due process was not particularly well served. And essentially they just blamed them for the crime because they needed somebody to, to, to do that. And Damien was very unfortunately put on death row for 18 years. One of the reasons why was because they pulled up the fact that he was, for instance, reading books by Aleister Crowley and they, they pulled Crowley quotes at the trial, which were completely out of context. And, uh, you know, this is deep South and deep South in the early nineties, not that it's maybe any better now. So this was a really, um, this, this came to public prominence because Damien started to get a lot of celebrity supporters like Johnny Depp, Eddie Vedder, 
uh, the Dixie Chicks. Um, uh, I think now they're just the Chicks. Uh, I, I don't. I don't keep up on on Chicks lore too much, but I believe they've dropped the Dixie. Uh, anyways, uh, for obvious reasons. Anyways, um, he Damien came. There were several um, high profile documentaries made about the case, and one of the things about Damien is that he was interested in magic going in, and he became very serious about magic on the inside. It was basically his lifeline. He claims it was the one thing that kept him sane because he was kept in solitary confinement for a long time. He still suffers um, pretty um, serious health issues because of that. So uh, he eventually got out and he he credits magic and doing regular angelic magic for his release. And he unfortunately had to take what's known as an Alford plea which is a technicality where they let you out, but you have to plead guilty. And I suspect that the reason for that is, well, you know what? I'm not going to suspect. I am. Let me preface this by saying I am not a lawyer. I am not a true crime podcaster. I am not uh, an expert on this case. And I don't, I, I want to preface this podcast by saying I don't know the full details. Okay. I'm not an expert. I don't want to speak out of turn. If you do want to know the full details of not just this case, but the latest developments with it, I recommend there was a podcast done a few days ago on the podcast is called truth and justice with Bob Ruff, R U F F. And he was there at the, 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 um, um, the court hearing that we went to um, and he is involved in the case and he did a really, uh, a really extensive legal breakdown podcast of what's going on. So I recommend checking that one out and not taking anything that you hear on this podcast as, you know, um, anyone not just, I, I'm just, you know, a, a, a bystander observing this and, and expressing support for Damien. I'm not a lawyer. So, so go there and check it out. Um, but basically what happened is they, they had to take this Alfred plea. Damien has been out for quite a while now. He's built a name for himself as a uh, writer and teacher of magic. That's basically all that he's been doing uh, now that he's been out. And he's he's uh, basically been trying to put his life back together and, and, and uh, express himself to the world. So what happened last week is that they have been trying to get DNA evidence testing done. They're were new, you know, I think it was like some type of clothes or ligament, something like that from the crime scene that the West Memphis court was claiming didn't exist for a long time. And they said it had been lost in a fire or destroyed. And then it turned out they were lying about this. The evidence came came to light that the evidence did exist. It's still in storage and in West Memphis. And so Damien and his lawyer and his legal team have been trying to get it DNA tested so that it can a show that Damien was innocent and B so that they can catch the, the actual killer so they can actually solve the case because it's still, it's still in the eyes of everyone except the West Memphis court on an unsolved case. So Damien put out a call on social media asking for supporters to come uh, support him by coming to the, coming to the court hearing because in pretty much in his words, he said that the only reason that the state did not murder him in the first place, and the only reason that they let him out, even albeit on this technicality, is because there was so much public attention on the case, um, and 
and and and and that so many people were there watching and and hovering so so that brought enough heat onto the case that the the i think the court just probably eventually just decided to um, wash their hands of it apparently so they have been trying to get that done for a long time now they've been really really pushing in the court and the court has just been giving them the runaround from what i gather and just kind of part of my French just digging them around and, and hoping that they just quit. So anyways, we decided to go and show support. We're going to talk about this in this podcast and kind of, uh, we have lots of clips from the event. We put a YouTube up, by the way, if you want to see the actual video from the event, it's at our YouTube, just search magic.me on YouTube and definitely like, and subscribe, subscribe to our channel also, because we've got tons of content up there and it, it is growing. We don't mention it enough on the podcast, but we've got a ton of stuff there. Um, so tell you what, uh, Danny, let's just talk about what, what, what happened. So, uh, you want to talk a little bit about uh, set the scene up? I mean, we, we spent, we drove a long way out there. <laughs> it was a dark stormy night in the South. Um, Let's see. It was a nine and a half hour drive that we did after a, like a about a full week's worth of work. Yeah. And we left at the end of the day also. <laughs> yeah. And we left at the end of the day. Um, we drove into the sunset and through the night into the swampy marshes uh, all the way into Arkansas where uh, the there was a double moon at the end. Uh, the sky was red. The devil moon? Yeah. Yeah. The devil yeah. Moon. Yeah. yeah. The, what, you, there was like this giant blood, <coughs> blood red crescent moon that looked like a devil horn. It was pr- and, and it kept moving. Like every time we looked, it was on a different side of the freeway. And it kept moving back and forth. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. And and we were driving in a straight line. Yeah, it, we were driving in a straight line and kept moving to each side of the freeway. It was really terrifying, <laughs> honestly. It was, it was, it was, yeah. I, I felt like we were in a werewolf movie. Yeah, it didn't help that that was happening at like 2 a.m. So that was. Yeah. Whew. Yeah, that was interesting. Like, I, I, Arkansas is deep, deep south. And like, I mean, that that's pretty, that's pretty deep south. I mean, it's not like. I don't know, the, the Louisiana Bayou or something, but it's not that far off, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, although I do say, it was, I, I have to say it was hilarious. Like, we stopped at a gas station in the middle of the night, and there were, like, like, like dudes wearing anime shirts. <laughs> and it was, like, it's, like, it was, well, like, A, it was, like, super true detective. It was, like, ultra first season true detective, but it was also, like, there were, like, guys wearing anime shirts. <laughs> like, I thought that was amazing. Yeah, that one guy had, like, a super, super long, like, waifu t-shirt. <laughs> waifus bring the whole world together (laughs) that's right um but yeah like it was interesting seeing west memphis i mean it's basically just i mean how would you describe the landscape i mean it's it's bayous it's it's not was it cornfields i mean it's just kind of like it wasn't even cornfields because cornfields are prosperous yeah what was it it was kind of like how would you describe that terrain i mean it's like we're driving in it's just like vegetation on both sides but what would you call that type of uh kind of jungly backwoods oh gosh just a just like a swampy marsh biome because none of it was kept up like it it, you could tell that no one had ever explored it it it's it wasn't like kept up by the state or anything it's probably just a few old families that own all that land that just never do anything with it and just collect yeah it was pretty um parts of it were fairly early i mean we drove through little rock which is obviously a big city the clintons come from there but um 
Yeah, I mean, we drove by the Remington Ammunition Factory. Uh, but I will say that it was interesting seeing West Memphis and seeing the context of when where this happened. It's probably different now. They're building a casino in the middle of downtown, I think, because presumably the county is really poor. Um, and they're trying to bring money in that way. But driving through that area in the middle of the night, it was... I mean, the feeling that I got from it, my my, it felt like the Middle Ages. It felt like medieval Europe. Yeah. Like a village in like deep rural France or something like that in, in the Middle Ages. You know, there were like really like uh, kind of like abandoned churches, abandoned mm-hmm. factories that were just falling apart that looked like something from Silent Hill. Um, and... It was kind of like if you just took like a like a village from medieval Europe and like put some gas station signs up. Yeah. And like, you know, like fast food signs up and, you know, like, you know, Motel 6 and all of that. That's pretty much what it was like. And and like I was definitely thinking about, you know, uh, slavery, slavery, slavery era like that. Yeah, I didn't really want to think about that too much because like being in that position in in that area like we're like the only person like you're just like like you were talking about like families that have owned that land forever and it's like just being like you know imprisoned by a family like that like it's uh it was a little it was very disturbing for me to think about yeah especially with the marshes there's nowhere to run to yeah and it's kind of it's a whole other thing when you see it yeah. up close and in person and not in a hollywood movie like 12 years a slave or something like mm-hmm. that it's um yeah it yeah so anyways um but we yeah i mean oh yeah the other thing is the the hotel we stayed at was owned by the yogi like a yogi and swami corporation or something <laughs> like that so there were a lot, a lot of these little weird magical coincidences that happened i ended up we ended up like a talking to a guy working at a gas station that had come to the U.S. from Kathmandu, and he was a, a Shiva devotee, and he had like the top knot and the earrings and a Shiva tattoo and everything. We were talking about like he'd done magic to get into the U.S. to like win a, a lottery, you know, to legally immigrate. And um, so we were talking about like Mahashivaratri in Kathmandu and Pushpatinath, the uh, the uh, sacred Buddhist temple, and he was talking about like how everyone, how high everyone gets on Mahashivaratri to worship Shiva, uh, and I was like, okay, and this is just like happening in like the middle of nowhere, deep South America. It's like <laughs> it just goes to show, you know, between that and the anime shirts, it's like you know, re- reality is is more of a cartoon than we might suspect. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so we we uh, we did get to the court. We, we got to the courthouse in the morning. Do you want to describe how kind of that went down? Yeah, so we got there and there were uh, cops that were, there, there were a whole lot of a cops. A whole lot of cops. Meal, meal Team 6, I referred to them as at one point because <laughs> they were they were kitted out in full tactical gear. The hearing was like at 9 in the morning. It was already hot as hell. And there's like all these cops out who... Um, didn't look like gym goers let me put it that way and you know they're like in full tactical gear with like body armor and like their bed kits on them and like you know all their all their mags on them and 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 they have blocked off this entire courtyard uh, courtroom parking lot with like you know block the entrances with parked cop cars and stuff like that and there were yeah i don't know there were like I don't know how many cops and cop cars. It, basically, they were prepping for a riot is, is what it looked like. There were literally like 20, 25 cops there. It was like really, and they were kicking people out of their cars in the parking lot. 
because it was so hot that people were trying to get in their car for a second for AC and they were like literally removing them, telling them you can't stay in your car. Yeah. So, so basically I think everyone, there were probably like, what, like 30 people there yeah. who showed up in support and a lot of people had flown, you know, come from all over the country. Some people had flown internationally, I think. And, uh, just to show, just to be there to show support and the, um, but they would not let anyone into the courthouse. So they told us at the time, the cops said there were only 15 seats inside and that those were full already with Damien's people. So we could not go in and we had to stay in the parking lot. That later turned out not to be true. That was a lie. There were, there's like, there were like 200 seats in there. There was lots of space for everyone and lots more. They also, from what I gathered, essentially, you know, they were like trying to harass Damien on some technicality of like, oh, no one can come in here if they don't have a mask. And they were like using COVID precautions, but nobody was wearing a mask. The judge wasn't wearing a mask. So it's just like, you know, yeah. So, so yeah, the scene is like, so, so you basically have like, you know, 30 or so like sensitive, well-meaning goths. You know, being, you know, herded in the parking lot, surrounded by cops, you know, basically on the sidewalk, not even in the courtyard park, like just pushed out onto the sidewalk as far as they could get people back into the public area. And it's 100 degrees and no one can stay in their cars and just the cops are just like hovering. And we basically just have to stand there like far away from the courthouse where no one can see us that's inside the building. Yeah. So and also... Tavian and his legal team were actually like pretty upset about how they treated the supporters. And he was saying that they were doing that. They basically are just trying to make life hard for everyone, mm-hmm. for Damien and his team, for anyone who comes to support. It's just like they want people to give up. And yeah, so. Yeah, that's kind of the theme of the whole thing. That's why they're giving them the the runaround with all of the DNA evidence. Because that from uh, our YouTube video, the, the lady said that... Uh, the, the judge ruled that because he's not in custody of the state that this is like a non-issue and they just ended the hearing right there, which is like yeah. hyper ridiculous. Yeah. Well, yeah. So let's break that down. And again, um, neither of us are, are lawyers. This is not <laughs> yes. a true crime podcast. Um, if you want the, if you really want, we, we have in the YouTube and I think we're going to put in this podcast, we have some of the legal team explaining uh, uh, what happened. (laughs) So you can take it from them, but yeah, the basic, the basic rundown as I, as I gathered is that the court said, look, you know, um, the West Memphis, you know, Damien and the, the other two gentlemen took the Alford plea and, Meaning they had to, they had to technically plead guilty just to get out, you know, and, and, and I remember at one point hearing, or I think Damien, Damien said this to Genesis Peorage because Jen, Jen and Damien knew each other. And Jen was mentioning this, um, when I was visiting her in New York after she'd met Damien, uh, who she was impressed by, um, Jen said, you know, the reality of like Damien told her something like, and again, uh, this is just something I, I remember from like 10 years ago. So, you know. It may or may not be the exact words, but I think Damien had said something to Jen like, you know, the reality was that if he hadn't taken the Alford plea, they could have just paid somebody 50 bucks to kill him in prison. You know, like we're we're not talking about civilization here. Yeah, well, we're 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 talking about corrupt, uh, corrupt legal system in the deep south, not a place known for its good treatment of human beings or concern with human rights. 
Yeah, well, and the prison industrial complex is pretty much privatized, even more so in the South. So it's oh, really? Yeah. Well, he he, he was not. It was he? He wasn't in a private private prison, was he? Mm-mm. Well, I I mean, like the way that it's owned and the way that the money is distributed. It's, yeah, it's by a you know the few people at the top. Yeah, and that that's a whole other tangent of disturbing <laughs> tangent. I mean, like that yeah. that is something you know. That that's something that people should look. It's not, I guess, technically related to this case, but just like, you know, how prisons have been privatized in this country and what happens in private prisons where basically there's so much overflow that they have to farm prisoners out to, um, you know, for-profit prisons. And then they're, they're, once they're there, they're out of state oversight. So they're vulnerable to things like organ harvesting, human trafficking, like, you know, and like basically they just get disappeared into they're like black sites. So that, that's very disturbing. But so, so, oh, so, so it was kind of like, he, they didn't really have a choice. It's kind of like, well, you can stay on death row for the rest of your life and potentially just be like, you know, killed in prison, uh, or you can get your freedom and, and, you know, I mean, Damien went to prison, um, when he wasn't, I mean, he, his brain wasn't even fully formed yet. Yeah. He was a kid. Yep. He, he, like his whole life was taken from him. Um, and, and so luckily Matt, you know, he had magic, right? So, and, and I think he said in interviews, it was like, you know, by, by, by the time time had gone on, he wasn't even really aware he was in prisons anymore because he was just doing magic all day long. And he was in that world in which he did have control, um, which I think a lot of people can, can empathize with. Um, oh, anyway, so they had to take this Alfred plea. Basically it was their only chance to get their lives back. Uh, but Damien and his team have been trying ever since just to, to get the charge cleared, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but the judge said, well, look, you already took the Alford plea. And and Damien said on Twitter, they were kind of shaming him for that. It's like, well, you shouldn't, have, you shouldn't have done that if you were, you know, if you weren't, if you thought you were innocent, why'd you take the Alford plea? And so, it's just like this unwinnable situation. And they also said, basically they said, you're not in state custody anymore. Yeah. So it's not our problem. Yeah. Like there's no reason why we should. So in thinking about this later, you know, after we got back, it became pretty clear to me why they would do that from their perspective. Cause it's like, look, they, I'm sure if they're throwing up that much of a wall, I mean, it seems pretty obvious that they, know what's going to happen from that DNA testing Mm -hmm. because that trial was just a joke by anyone's standards. It was conducted like in the dark ages where it's like, you know, in the middle of the satanic panic, it was just like, yeah. So it seems pretty clear that they know what's going to happen with that DNA testing. And, um, if it's shown that Damien was wrongfully imprisoned, I mean, again, I'm not a legal person, but it seems pretty clear that they would at least think, I have no idea what Damien's legal team is. Again, I'm not a lawyer, but it, it seems clear that the, the court would then think, okay, well, then they're going to turn around and sue us for wrongful imprisonment. Yeah. And and that could, you know, and there's all this public attention on the case and all of that, and they're just like covering their asses. Yeah. Well, and he has a lot of support from people that have successfully turned that around. Like the... Oh, really? Yeah. Well, the 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 other guy that was there was Randy Blythe, and he was wrongfully imprisoned in the show. So, who, who is that? Yeah, I don't, I don't really know who that guy is. But. So, Randy Blythe is the lead vocalist for a metal band called Lamb of God, and they were doing a show in the Czech Republic in Prague, and a concert goer had basically uh, died. 
at the concert. And because Randy was encouraging people to get in the pit and mosh, uh, they blamed him because they said that he was inciting violence. So he spent like like 38 days or something in, in, a, in a prison in Prague. A and, Czech prison. Awesome. Yeah, okay. Sounds yeah, great. And basically just had like a couple meals uh, for the for his entire stay there. You and, mean for 38 days, he only had a yeah, couple meals? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then he ended up talking about that. And it's, it's all over YouTube and uh, like everyone was supporting his release and then his court cases were on there. And he was eventually fully exonerated because of the support that he got from everyone. So that's why he was there because he's been there and he has uh, a lot of the know-how to back that up which is really really interesting but that's why he flew all the way out there just to show up for a court hearing even if it was standing outside wow yeah and we we didn't talk to him because we didn't want to bug him yeah um yeah he was trying to fly under the radar i think but he yeah from what i gathered he flew from across the country and like he showed up at what like 7 a.m to like make sure that he got in to show support and the cops were just like just totally were just like (laughs) fuck you (laughs) yeah well he flew straight there uh, like Damn. they they didn't even like he just went straight there. Wow. Like they were already looking at flights because they, they, they I don't even think they were in a hotel. Like when he was there, he was talking to his wife. He's like, I don't know how we're going to get a flight back. He had just like gone there. Oh, right. When they saw the Instagram post. Or yeah. Something? Wow. Yeah. And then the cops just basically just corralled them in the parking lot <laughs> for like five hours. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah. That's <sighs> just. Yeah, he he looked pretty angry. <laughs> Understandably so. Yeah, it, it, was, it was good to have someone with high public visibility there, though. Yeah, yeah. So that way nothing too out of hand happened. Because he's got a bunch of followers. Oh, yeah, I didn't consider so. that. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's yeah. good. I mean, that's basically what Damien wanted. He's like, he just, they, they just want, you know, I think, and it really made me think about people, because this happens to a lot of people in America. Mm-hmm. A lot. You know, and even if it's like there's so many people in America who are in jail, in some cases for life sentences for like, even if they technically got arrested for something they did, it's like they had a joint. Yeah. It's like a completely harmless drug offense. And it was just used because to put, you know, it's just, you know, this has obviously been in the news because of, um, you know, the George George Floyd and and things like that. Just Mm -hmm. there's been more attention on kind of how how corrupt the. uh u.s prison system is i think i could be wrong but it's something like there's more people in prison in the u.s currently than any certainly we're the number one in the entire world for yeah. imprisoning our population yep, that is correct but it's also something like there's more well, there's more people in prison now than like we're ever like slaves at the height of slavery <sighs> i mean yeah. i believe it yeah you know like there's more black men in prison than, than now than yeah. were ever slaves during the height of slavery and look you know fact check that i could be wrong but there's a lot of stats like that that when you really look at them it's um yeah 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 so um it was good that there was all that public attention on it so but it seems to me that they would that's why they would you know be basically just stonewalling right now on the other hand though you know, as coming into this as outside observers, it was just really clear. Now, here's the upside. So Damien came out of the court. He, you know, they basically just said no. And he he came out of the court and gave a, a brief statement to the press. And he, he looked pretty he looked pretty upset by it. And he later posted on social media. I was I was talking to him later briefly also. Like I think he took it pretty hard. Yeah. But I think they also kind of expected this and he said they're already writing the appeal. Oh yeah. So they're they're going to keep going with it, but 
but this this was not a great moment because they had you know they put a lot into this mm-hmm. however i will say this about the whole thing as an outside observer who again is doesn't has not been following the case actively and doesn't know a whole lot about it because my major you know my major awareness of damien has just been you know as, as a writer about magic mm-hmm. um I don't think anyone in the public looking at this could possibly come away with the, um, you know, with, with the opinion that Damien is anything but innocent. Yeah, well, the it's it's very telling how much uh, obstruction they're 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 putting in in front of them to just like slow everything down, and they lied about the evidence. They why lied would about the evidence. why would they lie about the evidence if if the court was correct? Well, right. Well, why would they lie about anything, and, and right. unless they were, and, unless they had something to hide? Yeah, so. it, it's like cartoonish. It's like literally <laughs> something out of a movie. Yeah, or True Detective, like yeah. literally. But the other thing is, like, Damien's been out of prison for what? Like, I think ten years now, or maybe yeah, more. Right. He's like he's been out of he's been off death row for a long time now. Why on earth would he be going back, getting trying to get them to test DNA evidence? Right. Yeah. Why would he go through all that trouble if he was the one who who committed those crimes? Right. Like, why would he go through all that pain, trouble, and money, and yeah. hiring lawyers yeah. to go back and try and get DNA evidence <laughs> tested conclusively? <laughs> like, why would if if like if like if somebody was actually guilty, why would they do that? <laughs> There's like literally no like. You know, and like I, I, there were people on Reddit trying to turn around and say like, well, he's, you know, he's trying to, you know, manipulate people's perceptions. It's like, come on. It's like, a double uh, meta. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's, a, it's like, it's like five dimensional chess. Like, Trump. Yeah. it's like, come on. Do you have any idea how expensive and, and, and painful legal proceedings like that can be? Yeah. Like, why? Like, why? And the other thing is. Why would the court, if, you know, why would the court, if they were so sure of their verdict, why would they be pulling out every stop mm-hmm. to be so shady? Yep. Like, it looks just so bad. It looks really slimy. It looks really slimy. Yeah, it looks corrupt. It looks like, the you know, Deep South, good old boy, <laughs> like thin blue line, like, you yeah. know, nobody talks, just, you know, mm-hmm. like, it, that's what it looks like. It, you know, there, it, it doesn't look like anything else except for just cronyism and corruption. And yeah. And it's just like, why, why would he be doing that? And the other thing that I, I realized later also is that, you know, kind of what that means is I think at this point, Damien is probably the only person that actually cares about finding who killed those kids. Yeah. I remember us talking about that. Yeah. Cause those three little boys were murdered and they still don't know who did it. You know, they, they blame someone for it, but the court is not actively trying to figure that out. So that person's still out there or people, you know, like, you know, whoever, whoever it was. And, uh, you know, there's lots of people have lots of theories uh, on the Internet and connected with those documentaries and things like that that I'm not going to get into. But I think they have a fairly good idea of what probably actually went down. Um, But like, so so that's crazy. Like, So you have this person that was put on death row, wrongfully accused, and yet he still is pursuing stuff to actually figure out who did, did it and the court is not and the cops are not why would why would he be doing that if he wasn't innocent <laughs> also that speaks volumes that the court doesn't care who killed those boys yeah that says a lot it says a lot it says a lot i mean it, it kind of goes to show i have a pretty cynical view of the world 
like I, I pretty much just look at things and expect people to behave along their own self-interest. So it's easy for me to look at that and just say like, oh, well, everything they're doing makes perfect sense from their perspective if they're just trying to, you know, cover their ass, not get sued for millions of dollars and keep yeah. it, you know, like I can see how they could make the calculation of like, well, like, you know, if all of our resources go down because of this, then we can't, you know, continue to serve and protect or you know, uh. whatever, you know, like whatever, whatever they're telling themselves, like they just don't want to, you know, it's just they have nothing to gain yeah. from allowing that. Damn. They just don't. So, so, but yeah. And the idea that justice is blind in America, like, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. So here's the other thing. Like, so it, it, it's interesting. So just to wrap that up, I think that, that that for me is the plus of this whole thing and and that's you know i'm glad that we're able to do this podcast about it and 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 hopefully this will become more clear as the smoke settles a little bit and and people look at what happened it just no reasonable person can look at this and not conclude you know yeah the that, vibe that is so is obvious yeah it's it's just like yeah i mean it it, it seems like this seems like it's a pretty shut and dry win you know uh, it's it's pretty much a win in terms of public perception i Mm -hmm. would say Mm -hmm. yeah and just being there it's just like you you could not walk away from that and say like yeah justice was served (laughs) you know so yeah and i feel like i i know so little about that case but it just seems so obvious the 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 way that things went yeah and again i don't know a ton but it's just like all, all you had to do is be there and watch what go down what went down to be like and just think like you know Anyways. Yeah, the fact that they lied about how many seats were actually in the courthouse, it's like, yeah, that's just yeah. an even They lied to us. Extension. Like, yeah. the way they treated us was very telling. They were asking for IDs for other people. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. We had talked to a couple of people, and they were asking for IDs and names. They were writing names what? down. Yeah. The hell? They didn't. I was in a suit. Maybe that's... Yeah. Uh, wow. Did, did they ask you for an ID? Mm-mm. That's good. Were, were they, like, targeting specific people? Probably. Why? Who were they asking for IDs? Uh, uh, just a couple of people that that I talked to, or I would overheard that, and I was like, "What? Really?" They're like, "Yeah, I had to give them my name." I was like, "What?" Why would you? Why you could just go walk out onto the sidewalk? Yeah. And technically, you could be like, "No, give me a warrant." I think. But like, Ooh. I mean, do you really want to try that in the situation, <laughs> like yeah. in the deep south, surrounded yeah. by <laughs> like just because you're right doesn't mean you're right yeah. in that case. Which yeah, is, yeah, that's a whole other conversation. That is ridiculous. Because what do you do in that situation? That's like it's like a conundrum. Well, you I know? mean, and in, in, in a sense, that's kind of like the whole deal, right? Yeah, it's like yeah. if you're, it's like that was so apparent being there. It's like if you're there. You're in the middle of that nowhere, surrounded by, you know, at the mercy of, you know, these so-called authority figures. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing you can do if they if they want to arrest you. There's not like, yeah, and it's like that was very obvious. It's like, you know, it's just like, you know, it's just jungle as far as the eye can see. You know, it's like you can try running. (laughs) It really had that. Yeah, it really had that vibe. Yeah. So. So, but however, it's interesting to kind of go through this in the context of everything that's going with the Supreme court, which I thought we might as well touch on because it's, you know, obviously pretty much the only thing on people's minds right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we came back from this to the Roe v. Wade decision and followed by, I mean, there were a ton of decisions. There was the Roe v. Wade, there was the gun rights, there was the EPA decision where Mm -hmm. they said the EPA no longer can have oversight over, over, over certain things, uh, which is, 
really shocking all of it is shocking and then there's the prayer in schools thing i mean it was pretty much like okay like okay america's now a theocracy yep like overnight and like it's not like you couldn't have seen this coming i've obviously been talking about it on this podcast i mean anyone who's paying attention could have seen this coming for decades the republicans have been you know very deliberately and slowly organizing for a long time yeah and unlike people on the left they don't turn on each other and they know what they believe and they stay on target and they have a lot of money behind them and they plan and they definitely all show up to vote they have voter trees all that and it's just like they're well organized on target and they they know what they're they know what they're after yeah um none of which is particularly true on the left in in many cases So to kind of come back from this to like, oh, it's like it's it almost felt like, you know, this could be a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know, it's like what what Damien went through is is so shocking. But it's also like, well, you know, this could be, you know, a lot of people could be in that situation. Yeah. Well, and there's stories of that happening to uh, famous people that not a lot of people talk about. Like that happened to Miles Davis. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. He was outside of a gig uh, having a smoke break and someone said that he was out past curfew. So they like just beat him senseless and like broke his trumpet and shit. Oh, whoa. And it was, when was this? It was terrible. Oh, that was like d- back in the fifties at some point. Okay. Well, I mean, they've, they've been doing that to, to people for a long time. I mean, that's why uh, Duke Ellington never stayed in hotels and he had a train is because they just tried to pull shit on him all the time and they would just constantly kick him out of hotels for like random made up things. Yeah. And it's not like that stopped. I mean, like there was, I remember there was a very famous, like Chris Rock put up like an Instagram story or something like that, or where he basically was just like, you know, getting trailed by cops in the middle of the night. And he's like, here you go. Like, here's what being black in America is like. It's like, I'm Chris Rock. And like, you know, does it matter to the cops? No. So, and I, I think people became much more aware of this, obviously, in the, the mm-hmm. George Floyd protests. It's basically just like, you know, like <laughs> the the reality of being black in America. And, and now we have like, essentially now it's like illegal to be a woman in America. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. And, you know, particularly in red states, mm-hmm. you know, and so, uh, yeah, it's like, I, I don't even know what to say. It's like, this is. You know, this is obviously a landmark moment in world history, not just U.S. history, because mm-hmm. I've been reading articles like this is going to have a knock on effect because it sets a standard for other countries as well. Yeah. Yeah. One of the bathrooms uh, at the gas station in Arkansas, outside the women's restroom, they had a piece of paper that said real girls only that they taped to the front of it. This is in Arkansas. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that about okay. sums that up. Real girls. What are real girls? Mean girls. (laughs) What? Yeah. It's just like, so it's, and it's so crazy that that's like, that's like the thing that people clamp down on in the culture wars. It's just, it's ridiculous. So, but anyway, anyways, yeah. So it's a scary time for people in America and we have no idea what's going to happen, but it's probably going to be bad. I don't think there's any upshot from this. The other thing is it also, you know, in my opinion, the, the, the underlying, you know, the decision of the Supreme Court was to kick it back to states' rights. Mm-hmm. And I've listened to a lot of legal scholars say that, you know, that Roe v. Wade was argued on fairly shaky ground in the first place. Yeah. So, but I mean, but that said, like, the Republicans spent like 20 years organizing to get this done. Like this, th- we just got checkmated. Yeah. You know, and we meaning whatever. It doesn't necessarily even mean liberals. It means, you know, free thinking people in the world. Um 
it, it, it this was this was in their game this is checkmate in their game this is what they wanted this is why trump was in office this is why trump put all these justices in power and it's also crazy to me with the supreme court it's just like at the end of the day like yeah we're supposedly a democracy although really not but at the end of the day like everyone's fate is like decided by a council of 12 wizards <laughs> like in black robes like 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 really think about that it's like what the fuck wizards that look like ted cruz yeah 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 uh, yeah yeah or well you know like amy coney barrett with like her like <laughs> dead-eyed fucking like 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 church going you know like killer stare yeah the wrath of god that you know, was a she nice was in stare. like a yeah 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 you know she was like in a religious cult and like all this stuff i'm sure yeah i'm sure it's just like an evangelical cult it's like it's just like oh like the wizards have decreed and it's like they're not elected and the idea that they're separated from the rest of the government or and they're impartial is not true they go golfing with senators and things like that you know they're all part of the crony system it's like ah, oh, the, the wizards have decreed for what the like hundreds of millions of people in the u.s all from different backgrounds and walks of life the other thing is because they kicked it back to being a states rights issue so like think about that in terms of like what we just saw in in west memphis it's like states rights issue okay i mean great the federal government has less power cool but like Imagine like now the authority goes, you know, you live in Arkansas and the state's rights is the Arkansas government, which we just saw. Yeah. Like there's a reason that Roe v. Wade was passed. It's mm-hmm. basically like, yeah, sometimes you want federal oversight. So the issue there, though, for me is, you know, they're, they're really concerning. It's all concerning. Um, but I'm already seeing. You know, even like like the press in England, like the Guardian and stuff like that, they're like, all right, Civil War clock is starting in America. They're like, of course, they, of course. they seem kind of gleeful, uh, disturbingly. But even like NBC and places like that are saying that here. It's like, you know, they're, they're, they're now saying, like the Guardian said, it's not if America will go to Civil War, it's when. Yeah, yeah, we just talked about that yesterday. Yeah, because if they kick the states' rights issue, then we get down to the underlying issue underneath it's the underlying issue is actually not even abortion it's the fact that the structure of america is such that there are just red states and blue states and they hate each other Mm -hmm. they just hate each other and like probably never more now than since the civil war yeah the lack of structure yeah and they just want to live in completely different realities it's like different dimensions Mm -hmm. you know it's like do you want to live in like a medieval theocracy or do you want to live in, you know, a, basically a world dominated by tech companies? Yeah. Well, and you've experienced that moving from one state to the next. Yeah. 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 For I sure. mean, if you move around America, it's like it, different states are like different dimensions. And it's crazy to be like, you know, that that division, I guess, has maybe all, always been there. But that's what the Civil War was fought over. Mm-hmm. It was like those, those, you know, what we now think of as red and blue states. I mean, like that's the Union and the Confederacy. Yep. And not much has changed. It really hasn't. And when you think like the Civil War was fought over slavery and states, you know, what states wanted to maintain slavery and which ones didn't. How different is the situation now where the same states are fighting going to fight over abortion? Yeah. I would argue that in some ways, abortion is even more of a powder keg because now we're talking about you know, at least in people's minds, it's like you clearly have people on both sides of that who are willing to fight or willing to kill people for, Mm -hmm. because in the minds of the people on the right, it's like, well, they're killing babies. 
So it's like, we have to do anything we can to stop this. They'll, they'll kill people for that. Yeah. And on the left, people will as well, I think, to defend women's rights, right? Mm-hmm. And this is just an, this is an intractable difference. Yeah. It's never going to get resolved. It's never going to get resolved. So it's like, how do you maintain a country like that? Well, and the core problem is still the same, which is people's freedom. Yeah. So different context, but a lot's still at stake. Uh, it, it, the, the whole country could be at stake. Yeah, and well, especially because the fines now uh, for for getting an illegal abortion are like more than if someone is uh, sexually assaulted, which is like that's the country we live in now. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. So this is a, a pretty much night, pretty much nightmare mode. The, like honestly, the only thing that I see preventing people from going into a civil war type situation is laziness. Yep, it's, it's just laziness and and just not wanting to wanting to be pushed that far. And but but that said, we're just gonna you know, America is just done. It's just done. We're, we're we're going back to a medieval theocracy. It's really shameful. Yeah. Well, everyone's still so tired from experiencing covid fatigue yeah and now this just compounded on top of that it's something new every day i think that's why they're taking this opportunity to push so much through because people just are too tired to resist it yeah um so you know like seeing this whole thing with damien in the court it's 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 kind of like well maybe this is unfortunately a bit of a preview of things to come for a lot of people however if you want someone to blame as we all do uh, I wasn't digging around on Wikipedia as you do. So I, I, there's actually, this is so crazy. This is, this is, I, it's so crazy to me every time my worldview is validated. It's, it's, I'm the last person who wants this to happen. But <laughs> so all of these so conservative judges that were obviously put in place by Trump were, are, were all put in place essentially by one person. Okay. Who was, I believe Donald Trump's judicial top judicial advisor. So there's a guy named Leo Leonard. Look him up. Okay. Just look him up on Wikipedia. There's a good article about him on the daily beast from like 2018. And again, this is not conspiracy stuff. This is all in the public record. It's like daily beast and places like that. Leo Leonard is essentially a Catholic agent in charge of uh, in charge of managing huge dark pool money, dark, excuse me, dark pool money funds from private funders. So dark money is basically just like tons of money that comes from anonymous people uh, for political candidates. Yeah. And <clears throat> Leo Leonard, it turns out, is a member of the Knights of Malta, a Catholic military order that is its own sovereign nation and is actually independent from the Pope and does not like the Pope because he's too liberal for them. Uh, Gavin McInnes, by the way, the head of the Proud Boys, also a Knight of Malta. Really? Yeah, interestingly they're enough. Like he's like a third degree. Conservative. Yeah, yeah. It's like they're, they're the Masons, but Catholic. In fact, I think the Ma- I, I may be wrong, but it's like I write about this in the John D. book. Like the Masons and the Rosicrucians were basically started to counter these orders. Yeah. Because they just had control over everyone in this like medieval theocracy Europe. And the whole reason that like essentially Western magic got started. It's so interesting. It's like this stuff is still this battle still being fought. All these kind of Rosicrucian orders and things like that were, were created to counter you know, these like Catholic ninjas, essentially. Yeah, well, and that's why they use the same symbols, but just put different attributions on top of them, like the rosy cross, you know? Interesting. That's, yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. Now we have groups like, you know, the Temple of Satan, who are essentially doing the same thing, but basically just as agitprop. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like as, a, as political agitprop more than anything else, um, which, you know, God bless them. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think... Uh, Satan bless him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, just go straight for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so Leo, Leo Leonard is a member of the Knights of Malta and a lot of the money he was... You know, they they were able to figure out a lot of the people that he is moving funds from. Mm-hmm. And again, like he fronted or this group, really, he's just the head of a group, fronted most of the money to get these justices elected on the court. And um, a lot of the money came from people who are members of Opus Dei, another Catholic secret society famous from the Da Vinci Code. Mm-hmm. Catholic ninjas. Now, I'm not anti-Catholic. I'm not making a blanket statement about Catholics. I'm just saying this is... You can look this up. This is what happened. It just is what happened. Again, look up Leo Leo Leonard, Daily Beast. There's a really good article about him from 2018 uh, talking about this stuff. And essentially, he was, you know, he was referred to in the Trump administration as Trump's court whisperer or Supreme Court whisperer. Wow. Yeah. And the people that were put in the the idea that these Supreme Court justices were are impartial, uh, false. You know, Amy Coney Barrett is from an extremist evangelical cult. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking like scary people, like who, who are put there. For, they were put there for a reason, and the reason was primarily to overturn Roe v. Wade. But also, like we're going to be living under the curse of Trump for like thirty years now because of he was he was the one that was able to put these justices in. Yeah, the people that like drink snake venom in tents like out in the wilderness and speak in tongues right there's a time and a place for snake handling and it's in the privacy of your own home closed doors and (laughs) that's right that's 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 just fine but uh yeah not in tents please yeah it's like these articles we're talking about it's like everyone talks about the evangelical right but no one talks about the like the organized catholic right and how much Mm -hmm. power they have Mm -hmm. and it's just like i mean they're the most successful religion in the world they're the biggest landowners in America. Yep. Their their history. It's like pretty much the most dark sided group of people in world history. You know, their history of imperialism, domination, knocking over countries, destroying people's native religions, child molestation, all kinds of stuff is is the Crusades is is uh, a matter of public record. Yeah, it sucks that their incense smells so good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, you just take that for the black masses. You know? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because <laughs> that's that, that's the future liberals want. <laughs> um, so look at like like that is okay. So there you go. It's like so basically we're in the situation where our supposedly free America, which was a Masonic and Rosicrucian experiment to free mm-hmm. people from the Catholic Church. Again, that's in my book. That's all historical record has now been like checkmated by Catholic secret societies. And this is not Da Vinci code. This is not me making it up. It's not conspiracy stuff. It's that's just what just happened. Yeah. 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 Well, our first president was a Mason. A lot of them were. Yeah. Roosevelt was, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, I it, so, it, yeah, I know George Washington was, he was a fellow craft kind of, kind of started to go downhill after they broke that standard. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. Funny how that works. Well, yeah. there's, there's a lot of Masonic language even in, uh, the presidential inauguration. Oh yeah. That, that they take. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like it's the, so, it's so Masonic. Yeah. Yeah. You the, really get that. If, if you study that stuff, when you go up to the macro level and it's like, even like you can even look at Damien's, uh, uh, case in some ways like this, where it's like, you know, you have somebody who's a practitioner of ritual magic mm-hmm. who's essentially burnt at the stake by by the state by the state yeah i mean that's basically what happened Mm -hmm. um we're still it's like we're still in the dark ages and you so you gotta like i would say like you gotta go back and look at the beginning of the history of america 
um, you know, again, my, my, my book is good about that. Manly Hall wrote about it. Mitch Horowitz has written about it. Occult, oh. Occult America is a okay. good book. He wrote a lot about this stuff and, and other stuff <laughs> where, you know, America was a Masonic and alchemical experiment to create a place where people could be free thinkers and mm-hmm. scientific thinkers and, you know, rational enlightenment thinkers, or at least, you know, white men, white landowning men, but, but free of the domination of the Catholic church. It was the fruit of the, the Protestant reformation, yeah. which was fought. And like, remember like the Protestant reformation in Europe um, was fought for hundreds of years, you know, the 30 years war, the hundred years war. Mm-hmm. It's still, it was, was, and is still being fought in Ireland. The troubles I mean, like people like shooting and bombing each other and committing yeah, the, terrorism in Ireland. Yeah, the car bombs. Yeah, and yes, that's political, but like there's def- there's a there's a religious aspect to it. It's a, it's a Catholic Protestant thing as well. Um, Absolutely, that's not totally witch's window dressing on it. So mm-hmm. it's like like people have been like killing each other for hundreds of years to get away from the domination of the Catholic Church or to reinstate it. <sighs> it's a hot war. It is not like a. I think it's so easy for people to fall into this idea of, oh, like your your religion is kind of like, you know, something you just fill in on your character sheet. It's like, mm-hmm. it's just like it's something you decide in the supermarket of religions in America. Yeah. Um, not exactly. Well, and it's not really covered that much because it's not a sexy thing to talk about for well, news a, stations it, to it's cover. A, it's a too controversial of a thing to yeah. talk about. Yeah, because then they uh, the presupposition is is that you're taking like an adversarial stance to that, yeah. which says a lot if you can't even report about what's happening. But I yeah, guess. yeah, I think I mentioned this before, but people forget about even like the stuff about the molestation scandal in the Catholic Church. Like that wasn't even public knowledge until the early '90s. I know, and that's so crazy to think about because now when people think about Catholic priests, the first thing they think about is pedophile priests. Yeah. But that was not public knowledge. And like, I remember, um, I think I've talked about this a lot, but it's like, you know, if you're, if you're my age or, or older, you remember in the early 90s, Sinead O'Connor went on Saturday Night Live and ripped up a picture of the Pope and yeah. said, fight the real enemy. And people lost their fucking mind. <laughs> and like all these Catholics all over the world were like sending death threats and trying to kill her. And like her career was ruined over mm-hmm. it and all of this stuff. And but at the time, this was like the early 90s, like nobody knew what she was talking about. Mm-hmm. They were just like, oh, like you're blasphemous or whatever it's like it's like she's talking about the molestation of of, of kids in ireland which was like an un, at an unbelievable rate um and then it came out that it was happening in boston in the u.s and then it's just like it came out as happening all over the world and like why why aren't why aren't catholic churches outlawed you know what i mean yeah <laughs> it's like we don't even really talk about it that much anymore it's like well they got a cool pope and th- this is basically my, my a big part of my worldview also and why i do things the way that i do is like you just can't separate people's belief from what they do. Mm-hmm. Like that, it's just that simple. Like people's beliefs, beliefs, their religious beliefs, what they think about the world and, and what, you know, ultimately what religion they belong to. It plays a large factor in how they behave and to, be, and to act otherwise is just missing a big part of the data set. And, and people don't want to touch that because it's, controversial I, I suppose you don't want to piss off religious groups obviously like in europe with with islam it's like you know people are, are terrified to to criticize islam as well we have the, the charlie Hebdo thing and and all of that and so it it's so easily be perceived as you're against a specific religion and so now we kind of have the idea it's like well you know um that doesn't really matter but it it does matter because people act on their beliefs 
Yeah. And their beliefs are determined largely by their religion. Mm-hmm. So, and, and ignoring that has now re- resulted in a situation where we've just lost our democracy and we've l- potentially lost a multi, multi-century project for human f- cognitive liberty and freedom uh, to the people that we were trying to get away from in the first place. Yeah, the exact opposite of what we wanted to happen happened. Yeah, I mean that's it's a it's a threat to everything in the world. It's a threat to people's safety. It's and and it's like when you consider like how insane people in America are, like they're just like you, you also have to consider is like America was started by all the religious nut jobs that Europe didn't want. Uh, the Christian heretics. Yeah, but also just like just the totally crazy village idiots that like Europe was just like please go. Yeah, the soapbox people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, where they yeah. were like, "Look, a boat." So you know, in Australia is similar. It's like you know, all the criminals were sent there. You know, so it's just like history is not as long as you might think. Yeah, well, I mean, you can look at the Salem witch trials for a further and further yeah. and further confirmation of that. There you go, and it's like so. you can easily look at what happened with Damien and say, like, hey, how different is that? It's like not at all. It's not at all different. It's literally not different. It's at literally all. the exact. So, <laughs> and and. and it's a it's a scary time. I think it's um, I think it's a good time to clarify where people stand. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to at this point. And and I think one of the cool things about magic and you know we talk a lot about this stuff in this podcast and I've written a lot about this stuff and like understanding the history of where Western magic actually comes from and understanding essentially just understanding history. Um, you know, falling back on like all these at the end of the day it's like you know like you know what like look neo-pagan people magical people like we're we're all catty bitches <laughs> right like let's be honest okay like i'm guilty of this too so i'll be the first to admit it it's like we spend a lot of time shit talking each other yeah and like it's not it's not even really shit talking it's like oh well they're like you know neothelemic asatru and i'm like you know a, a adeptus minor golden dawn <laughs> afro-caribbean uh you know a uh, 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 fire dancer or something like you know what i mean like it's like there, there's so much like D bullshit that goes on of like you know people like nitpicking each other's shit yeah, saying, and, oh, that's so old Aeon. Uh, yeah, that's know. another one. Yeah. And 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 just like like cl- clickishness. Okay. Like that's yeah. all it is. Oh, it's just sure. like it's just like clickishness. But the thing that people always forget is like, okay, look at this stuff from the perspective of outsiders. Like even just like, you know, your standard secular normies. But also just like from the Christian like the the the, the average secular, you know, Democrat in America is just gonna look at all this stuff and just go like uh, like jesus like your parents must be so proud of you yeah like get a job you know like it's just like you ridiculous like like okay it's cool that you can do this at the mall like nice it's basically that like they look at it as larping right which let's be honest it kind of is well yeah if you're arguing over libra vesta specifications then yeah see there you go now you're getting into shit that's even like yeah. it's like yeah but i mean i'm just talking about like neo-paganism in general yeah. you know it's just like <laughs> And, and particularly now with the internet, it's like and Twitter and just people like going after each other on Twitter and all of this. Um, and it's so ridiculous. But if you look at the stuff from the prescri- prescription, uh, from the perspective of the Christian right, we're all Satanists. <laughs> I'm not even joking. It's like we're, we're all like demon possessed Satanists. And it's like we're, you could talk all day long about your Norse 
you know, Vajrayana Thalema hybrid or whatever it is that you're, 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 you know, you're doing cause you're special. Yeah. Um, but to the right, it's all, it's all the devil. It's all Satanism. It's all bad. It's all evil. Yeah. It's very binary. Yeah. Yeah. So people need to realize that. And I think probably cut the shit mm-hmm. and, um, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll hold myself to that same standard as well. It's just like, you know, it's like, you don't give into the tyranny of minor differences. Henry Kissinger said at one point, not, not that he's someone to emulate, but he, he said at one point, the smaller the pond, the harder the fish fight. Yeah, we've had that talk about certain groups yeah. doing that before. But yeah, I mean, like he was talking about academia, mm-hmm. which well, I think is really obvious to see with the kind of the Twitter wars and, mm-hmm. and cancel culture and all of that. Because, you know, a big part of cancel culture is people fighting over like a very, very, very limited number of academic jobs. Yeah. Um. But it obviously is the same in the whatever you even want to call it. What do you even call it? Like, you know, alternative religion, neo-pagan world. I mean, does Buddhism count in America? Probably, right? So any, any like non-mainstream religion in America or the rest of the world at this point. Yeah, especially how modernized Buddhism has become with all the Western teachers. Yeah. Does Judaism count, you know, in terms of like threatened religions in America? Like, uh, probably. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, uh, I have so many stories about students I, I I taught when I taught at a music school for so long that uh, the teachers basically did nothing to them after uh, people would bully them in the hallways and say that they were going to gas them. Uh, the teachers would be like, oh, boys will be boys. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. So, so I, I think people should kind of realize the severity of the situation. Yeah. You don't need me to tell you that. And um, yeah, I think like clickishness is not going to get anywhere, anyone anywhere. I was thinking about this too. I was like, think about it. It's like a lot of the stuff with the occult, you know, like what do people actually want from the occult? And I think one, one thing is like clickishness, like obviously a big reason that people like neo-paganism and the, and the occult is because it allows them to be unique and special. Yeah. And, and different. And that's why people go to such lengths to like, talk about like what they believe, like what their practice is, how it's different. Like, and everyone's like, like the, the, the occult is, a, is an anarchist world of individuals. Mm-hmm. Like everyone's like, particularly because the underlying belief systems of magic of neo-paganism and all that is that you create your own reality, right? Yep. Therefore you're the center of your own, your own reality. And, and there's, there's bad sides to that. It means you're kind of like constantly getting your feelings hurt by everyone who doesn't believe the same shit that you believe in, but the shit you believe in is like abstract and bizarre, right? <laughs> Like, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, so and the other thing I realized is I think a big part of the re- reason why the occult is so complicated and has been complicated in the past. I was thinking about this a lot just because I've been spending so much time simplifying it is I think that actually people want it to be complicated and confusing for the reason. And the reason is they want somewhere to hide from their parents. One of the reasons why magic is so popular and, 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 and I wouldn't be teaching it if I didn't believe it actually had a ton to offer, which it, it did. So like my, my critiques are made with, with love, right? Cause it's obviously what I do. For, it's course. what I do with my life. You know, like people don't have any power, particularly young people. They have more than they think, but like the, uh, uh, like people have had a lot of agency over their life taken away from them. They've lost a lot of freedom. We just lost a lot more this, this past weekend, you know, like particularly right now, like they're on the war, they're taking away as many freedoms as they can on both sides of the political fence. And so people are being, people are very, very disempowered. They're more empowered in some ways, such as having access to the internet, but in a lot of other substantial ways, um, people have lost a ton of freedom, particularly in America. Yeah. We've lost so much that I, I, we've lost so much that we didn't 
a lot of us don't even know what we want now because we've had yeah. so much taken away. We don't even know what we want back. Yeah. You don't even know what, what was taken away at this yeah. point because they don't want you to know. We were talking about that. Yeah. So, so it's like in the situation where, where you feel powerless, where you feel like you don't have agency over your life. And mm -hmm. I think also a lot of younger people just have this sense of like, it's fucking hopeless. It's like, I'm not going to be able to like, you know, the idea of a career. It's like, I've made this observation before, like for particularly like Zoomers and, and a lot of millennials, like making the argument that magic is real is a, is like 8,000% easier like or, or like asking people to believe in magic is like 8,000% easier than like asking them to believe in the idea that they will work at a steady job and buy a house. Yeah. Like that that's just like fantasy land. Yeah. Like you know like like for most people that's just like okay, like the idea of job security like and and basic American like basic living stuff. Mhm. Mm Home ownership, health insurance. Right, right. It's just like no. Like, that's just fantasy land. Yeah. So in that situation, obviously, magic is really appealing to people because it gives them a sense of power and agency. And like, you know, Damien is a perfect example of that. Or like he had all of his freedom taken away. It's like you couldn't get more. Um, you couldn't get more control than that. Like in solitary confinement on death row. Like that's he lost. He literally they took literally everything. Yeah. Um, but he had magic to turn to. And I think that's such a powerful part of, you know, his message to the world. Right. Yeah. Well, and he talks about that in his books, how to do just like raw angelic evocation with no working tools. Oh yeah. 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 And how you can rationalize the attributions uh, and, and what you want to get out of that with no working tools. Yeah. Which is great that that's being talked about. Have you read his new book? Uh, Ritual? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't. No. I haven't either. I was looking at it on Amazon a couple days ago though and it looks pretty interesting. It looks it's it looks like all empty-handed kind of techniques yeah. and energy work and things like that and no tools. And uh, that's pretty interesting. I should get I should pick that up at some point. But yeah, um I don't know. We kind of went on some tangents there as usual, but <laughs> Anyways, I, I guess that's just uh, that's a long-winded way of saying this is what happened at the hearing and that it's hard not to see this as kind of a microcosm of, in, in a sense, what's going on in the rest of the country. Yeah, yeah. It felt like going from the microcosm, experiencing that there to coming home and then experiencing the macrocosm of Roe v. Wade and yeah. the EPA decision and the prayer and school decision and... Yeah, America feels very medieval right now. Yeah. Uh, maybe it always has been. Unfortunately, yeah. Well, parts of it definitely always have been. And mm -hmm. it's I feel like particularly during the Obama administration, like big parts of the country tried to escape that, uh, particularly the coastal cities and okay. and the tech the tech bubbles and things yeah. like that were kind of like and the whole deal under Obama was kind of this idea of like, oh, maybe we can be kind of like a progressive secular European country. Mm. And uh no. That was that didn't happen. That was there was a brief bubble of, you know, and obviously that there's so many problems with that also. But yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what's gonna. I I just don't know what's gonna happen from here. I mean, in a lot of ways, like all of everyone's worst fears just came true. You know, this is something Jen was always warning about forever, and um, here we are. You know. Yeah. What would what would Jen say? to do right now. fuck them all basically yeah just yep. just uh what would jen say well you know janice we should talk to janice janice um jen's daughter posted on instagram like that jen 
was telling people at the um at the end of her life which is not that it was 2020 mm-hmm. um like how similar things are now to the end of the 70s in england okay this is a whole new level but like in the end of the the end of this like the the economic climate that gave rise to the punk and industrial movements was very much like this where there was like ultra high inflation mm. and like people just felt totally hopeless so but what would Jen, I think I think okay if I think about that I think the thing that Jen would really say would be um, Jen would talk about the importance of community and building resilient networks of individuals that look after each other that that's what Jen would say yeah focusing on um, the occult community from the aspect of connection yeah. instead of dividing through the minutia of beliefs for sure but but not even like even like the occult community. I mean, so like Topi was like a, a network of alternative individuals. Yeah, you know, exactly. and there, there was an occult aspect to it, but mm-hmm. it was not like a Masonic thing. It was, it's basically just like, you just got to zoom out and just say like, you know, he's like, you, you want resilient networks of people that you can count on um, to, you know, survive the storm. Yeah. And uh, I think, I think, and, and Jen was very interested in the, in the idea of intentional communities mm-hmm. at the end of her life also. But, um, I don't know. But I think that the basic the basic message of cultivating community and networks of conscious people is really important. And podcasting, in a way, I think is a great extension of that. I mean, it's not in person, but you know, in a sense, like everyone who listens to this podcast is, is connected as part of a community. I mean, there's people all over the world listen to this. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's what so. communities engage in in close quarters is long form conversation. That's yeah. something that you don't get with strangers. Yeah, for sure. So I, I'm pretty, I think that is what Jen would say. And, and obviously Jen would be, uh, you know, disgusted to say the least um, mm-hmm. and probably say like, I told you so. <laughs> ah. um, and you, you just cannot underestimate the threat that the Christian right poses. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> so uh, I mean, what do we, where do we go from there? I mean, obviously you, you can find out lots more about Damien online uh and his new book is out ritual we have a lot i have a long-standing i I talked to damien on text we have a long-standing um plan to do a podcast so hopefully that will happen at some point but damien is uh he has his hands full at the moment i think and Mm -hmm. um having having some some health issues also after the trial because he got worn down so but hopefully that will happen at some point yeah yeah all right well I guess I guess that's what we got for today. Uh, thank you for coming to our first true crime podcast. <laughs>